Welcome to Insights for Believers audio podcast. We believe the message you are about to receive from the Word of God today will ignite your faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ and His love for you. We ask for eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear your voice. Hearts that understand who we are in Jesus and who Jesus Christ is in us. As that you anoint me and my lips of clay tonight, let your word come unhindered and unsupervised by any outside force. At the end of this message, let everybody be edified, and let your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. amen, amen. All right, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter number 5. Matthew, chapter 5, from verse 17 to verse 28. Matthew 5, 17 to 28. Matthew 5, 17 to 28. We've been talking about the balance of grace and faith. We started this last week. And we're going to further that thought again today. I'm going to read from verse 17. You can follow me on the screen. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I do not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot on one tittle will not by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, it shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Verse 25, agree with your adversary quickly, while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown in prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Tonight we want to talk about the law. And we have a long way to go tonight. That's why we're just getting straight onto it. And I want to get you through a lot of things and try to cover as much as possible when it comes to this issue of the law. And we'll start out by defining what the law is. The Hebrew word for the law is the word Torah. You must have heard this before. And the Greek is the word nomos. That is what, when the Bible talks about the law, that is what it refers to. It is used in the Bible to describe teaching or instruction. It is used to describe teaching or instruction, and this is going to become very important for us in a bit here when we start to talk about what part of the law should we still keep and not keep. And it also means basic meaning is to provide direction or instruction. To provide direction or instruction. The English word law occurs over 400 times in the Bible. 
the first time, and you know about the law of first mention, the first time that that word appears in the Bible is Genesis 26, verse 5. And sometimes that word law simply refers to the entire Old Testament. So sometimes in the Bible, when you see the word law, they are talking about the entire Old Testament, especially when the word appears in the Old Testament. Okay? Uh, but there are some cases, like in John 12, 34, as an example, where the word law appears in the New Testament, but it still refers to the meaning in the Old Testament. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. I just want to give you an introduction to this. Now, when the New Testament, though, refers to the law, it is talking about the entirety of the instructions in the first covenant that was given to Moses. So let me go over that again. The word is Torah or nomos, depending on whether you're looking at it in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. It is used to describe teaching or instruction, and it means direction or instruction. It occurs about 400 times in the Bible. In the book of Genesis 26, verse 5, was the first time it appears. Sometimes when the word law is used, it refers to the entire Old Testament. So if you see in the Old Testament, the Bible says law or the law is referring to the entire Old Testament. And specifically the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. That's what it refers to most of the time. But sometimes it still appears in the New Testament referring to the entire Old Testament. So that, that example is John 12, 34. But generally speaking, when the word law or the law appears in the New Testament, it is talking about the entirety of the instructions in the first covenant that was given to Moses. Do you understand that? Okay. Because the law also includes the Ten Commandments. So we can't say that just the Ten Commandments is the law. The law is the entirety, entirety of the instructions, all of the instructions that were given in the first covenant to Moses. So that includes the Ten Commandments, which was part of the Mosaic law. Reference for that is Exodus chapter 20 from verse 1 to 17. You can write that down. And Exodus 24, verse 12, we can read that. Exodus 24, verse 12. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments. I know that you must, have, you must have grown up, you know, in Sunday school, understanding that when God gave Moses the tablet, all that was on it was the Ten Commandments. But that is not very clear in Scripture, okay? Many Bible scholars believe that what Moses came down with was not just ten things. Because there has to be a way that he came about all the 600 and something laws that were there. So this Scripture says that God gave him the tablets of stone and the law and commandments. If we look at it in, in, the, in the New American Standard Bible... He says it this way, Now the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay there, and I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandments, which I have written for their instruction. Uh, other translations like New Living Translation say something like, I've inscribed the commands and instructions. So it's a body of things uh -huh, that, that Moses got from God as a, as a package of instructions and, and rules so it also includes the sacrificial laws that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. It includes the Sabbaths. It includes the sacrifices. It includes oblations. It includes circumcision. It includes the feasts. The feast of Passover. The feast of Tabernacles. The feast of Pentecost. 
All of those things are included in the law. So when you hear the law, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about everything. The Ten Commandments, which was part of the Mosaic Law. The sacrificial laws that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. It includes the Sabbath laws, the sacrifices, the oblations, circumcision, and the feasts. The main feasts, the three of them, Passover, Feast of Tabernacles, and Feast of Pentecost. Are you still with me, guys? So, if you look at the book of Leviticus, for example, it includes laws that are related to so many different things. Various sacrifices and offerings, dietary laws, motherhood laws, leprosy laws, and I will read out quite a few of them to you today, okay? Leprosy, atonement, immoral relationships, many other laws. If you go through the entire book of Leviticus, you'll see everything there. It's a whole package. So, generally, it's accepted uh, that there are 613 Jewish commandments, okay? It's called the mitzvot in Hebrew. 613 of them that were extracted from the Old Testament. Some Bible scholars say there are 635. Some say there are 600. But generally, it is agreed that there are 613. The reason why some people say there are more or less is because when you start to hear some of those laws, you'll see that some of them are basically like 1A, 1B, 1C, all right? They are all related to themselves. So, but generally, it's accepted that there are about 613 of them. And this is where I want you to start to pay attention now. I just gave you a background information, okay? Everything we say from this point becomes very important. So, listen carefully, okay? The law is the sum total of God's requirements and expectation for man's behavior. The law contains the totality of God's requirements and his expectation for how man is supposed to behave. It includes the words and attitude and then to turn aside from them or rebel against them is considered sin. I'll go over it again. We're not in a hurry tonight, okay? I want you to get this. The law is the sum total of God's requirements is expectation for man's behavior. What God requires of us and what he expects of us. It includes words and attitudes that God expects of man. When you turn away from this or rebel from it, it is considered sin. That is where the concept of sin came from because where there is no law, there is no sin. If you don't know that you're not supposed to do something, there is, no, there is no law against it, then if you do it, it's not a sin. But it becomes a sin when you know that this is the expectation, but you, you now decide to rebel against the expectation. Now, in the New Testament, this is why I said please pay attention. In the New Testament, the law is for our example. It is not how we will be judged as Christians. Okay, so this is where we'll start to lose a lot of people now. So please pay, stay with me, okay? In the New Testament, as New Testament believers, the law is for our what? Example. It is not how you are going to be judged, how you are going to be assessed, how God is going to determine whether you qualify or do not qualify is not based on the law in the New Testament. That is not how you will be judged. It is for your example. Because the Bible, you see, is one complete book. This Bible that you see here, there are so many people now who are trying to, you know, who are campaigning, uh, let's do away with the Old Testament and blah, blah, blah. You need to understand that the Bible is one book written by one author, but there were many writers. So it was written across this entire spanning generations that it was written. Now, it is one complete book written by the same person. So you can't say 
because I'm a New Testament believer, I'm going to do away with the Old Testament. There's, there's information contained there. The Old Testament, listen to this, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Let me say that again. The Old Testament is literally the New Testament concealed. So when you open to Genesis or all of these you know, passages, you can literally see Jesus everywhere. Everywhere you look, you will see Jesus. Because it is the New Testament, but it is concealed. There's a veil. When you get to the New Testament, you are literally looking at the Old Testament that has been revealed to man. Because you will see Jesus still quoting all of these things. You will see, you know, the apostles still quoting all of these things from the Old Testament. So it is one complete book. Therefore, you can't say, because when we start to get into this, it will sound like what we are saying is that you should do away with the law. Please, that's not what we are saying, okay? What we are saying is that Jesus came to fulfill the law when it comes to the law regulating your life. When it comes to the law being the benchmark by which God is going to measure you and say whether or not you pass the test, okay? So the law is no longer that yardstick. But we are saying that the law still contains a body of instructions, a body of information that is supposed to be an example to us. Do you understand that? All right, God bless you. Now, we have, we have, we have settled that one, and we settled this on Sunday as well, to say that Christ has redeemed us from the curse that is contained in the law. If you go through the book of Leviticus, and you go through it properly, okay, you, at some point you'll be afraid of God. Yeah, because of the, the, the curses that are in there, in there. there, there's a lot of them. And they are quite grievous. And we'll see, when we start talking about the characteristics of the law, we'll see why God gave the law. And why we have all these things that are there. You know, people ask all this question, ah, if God is so good, why did you say all these bad, bad things that will happen to people? You, you will get it. You get what the law was supposed to do. But here is the thing. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. This is what it means. You know, when the Bible says, if you obey and serve me, you will spend your days in prosperity and your years in plenty. You know that scripture. What it means when it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, this is what it's saying. It says you can still take that blessing because Christ redeemed you from the curse. He didn't redeem you from the blessing. The blessing is still there. So that's why you can't do away with the Old Testament. Every blessing that God promised in the Old Testament is still there. He says it is your, the Lord your God who gives you power to get wealth. All those things are still contained in the Old Testament. So you are still entitled. That's the word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are still entitled to the blessing even though you have been redeemed from the curse. So it's not a fair trade. We're not saying that it's a fair trade. Like, you know, people want Christianity to be fair. They want the trade. You know, it's a grace exchange. People want it to be fair, to be like, no, 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 you have to pay a price. We're saying Jesus paid that price. He exchanged what should be the curse, exchanged it for the blessing. Because he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled everything that the law required of man in order for man to, to receive the blessing that God really, really intended to give to man. That was the whole plan. God was intent on blessing man, but there had to be somebody who will be our mediator who will pass that test that will allow God to do all of that. So you are still entitled to every single blessing that is contained in the law. Now we have also said that love has now replaced the law. So as a means of regulation now, how God is going to look at you and assess your life is are you living in love? Are you walking in love, because this is the New Testament way of really knowing whether you are a Christian or you're a child of God or not. This is what it is. It's no longer this body of instructions. That's why you see in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, 24, let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, 24. It says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. 
All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. This is the whole agenda now. He's telling you that all things are lawful means that I'm no longer under any law. Everything is lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. So you still need to look at it and see the things that are helpful. See, see the things that, that edify. Because the, the yardstick now is, I'm not seeking my own, but I'm seeking the well-being of other people. Say amen to that. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, verse 40. Look at what that also says. It says, let all things be done decently and in order. I'll bring up some of these other scriptures too when we start to talk about um, how do you know which laws you are still supposed to keep? How do you measure? Because when we start reading some of these laws now, you will say to me that, yeah, uh, that's one you just said now is very good. Uh, we should still be following that. Of course, there are stuff in there that you, we should still be doing. But there's also stuff in there that is no longer possible, that you cannot do, uh -huh, and you shouldn't do. So this is how we're going to know. But you are doing it not because if you don't do it, God is going to judge you. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's not what God is going to judge you on. God is going to judge you, in that sense now, on whether or not you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and whether or not you are walking in love. Say amen to that. All right. So, out of the 613 of these laws, I'm going to read to you 212 of them. Okay? But I'm going to be quick about it. All right? It will be recorded. It will be on the audio. It will be on the, on the desk. And if you want to really, 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 really have it, I can send you the 613 of them. Okay? But I will run through them. I've highlighted some of them that I know that will be interesting. And, and as I go along, I will stop, you know, to explain a few of them, if need be, okay? If, if, if by, we eat the hour mark, and I'm not done reading it, we'll stop there, because I still need all this time. I need literally the entire one hour today, okay? That's why I'm going at this pace. Now, it says, listen to the prophets speaking in God's name. That's one of them. I, I won't read out the Bible um, references. Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Exodus. Go and read all the five books if you want to see all the laws, okay? All right. Do not test the prophet unduly. Cleave to those who know God. Love other Jews. Reprove a neighbor who sins. Do not embarrass others. Do not oppress the weak. Do not speak derogatory of others. Do not take revenge. Do not bear a grudge. Learn God's commandments. Honor those who teach and know the law. Do not inquire into idolatry. Do not follow the whims of your heart or what your eyes see. Do not make an idol for yourself. Do not make an idol for others. Do not make human forms even for decorative purposes. Manikin. Yeah? Born a city that has turned to idol worship. Do not rebuild an idolatrous city that has been burnt. Do not listen to a false prophet. Do not prophesy falsely in the name of God. Do not be afraid of killing the false prophet. Do not inquire of spirits. Do not consult magicians or seers. Do not erect a pillar in a public place of worship. Do not bow down on smooth stone. Do not plant a tree in the temple courtyard. Do not be superstitious. Do not go into a trance to foresee events. Do not engage in astrology. Do not mutter incantations. Do not attempt to contact the dead. Do not consult ghosts or spirits. Do not consult magicians or wizards. Do not perform acts of magic. Men must not shave the hair off the side of their head. Men must not shave their beards with a razor. Men must not wear women's clothing. Women must not wear men's clothing. Do not tattoo the skin. Recite the Shema twice daily. Serve the Almighty with prayer daily. The priest must bless the Israelite nation daily. Write the commandments on each doorpost. Each male must write a scroll of the law. Bless the Almighty after eating. Circumcise all males on the eighth day after their birth. Even the ones I'm really already tired of it. I'm only on number 47. Yeah, 47. And you're already tired. Let's keep going. Rest on the seventh day. Do not do prohibited labor on the seventh day. 
the court must not inflict punishment on the Sabbath. Do not walk outside the city boundary on the Sabbath. Afflict yourself on the day of atonement. Do not eat or drink on the day of atonement. Do not eat leavened food on the afternoon of the 14th day of Nisan. Destroy all leaven on the 14th day of Nisan. Eat unleavened bread on the first night of Passover. Each man must give a half shekel annually. Marry a wife by means of a marriage agreement and sanctification. Do not have sexual relations with women not married by means of a marriage agreement and sanctification. Do not withhold food, clothing, and sexual relations from your wife. Have children with one's wife. This is a law. You have to have children with your wife. It's a law. Okay, I'm just letting you know. Issue a divorce by means of a get document. A man must not remarry his ex-wife after she has married someone else's. A man must marry the widow of his childless brother. A man must marry the widow of his childless brother. A man must free the widow of his childless brother from the obligation to marry him if he is unwilling to marry her. A childless widow must not remarry until the ties with her brother-in-law are removed. The court must find one who sexually seduces a maiden. One who seduces a maiden must marry the maiden if she chooses. A seducer that marries the maiden he seduces is never allowed to divorce her. And this is one of those laws that God put there to protect women. Uh -huh. Because of the, the context of the society that things that were happening. Let's keep going. A man who slanders his wife with accusation of adultery must remain married to his wife. Do not have sexual relations with your mother. Do not have sexual relations with your father's wife. This is common sense, right? You say, do not have sexual relations with your sister. Do not have sexual relations with your father's wife's daughter. Let me ask you a question. How did, how did the world repopulate after Noah and the ark? Just food for thought. It's just food for thought, okay? I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there so that you will see why God came up with some of these things as they went along. Do not have sexual relations with your son's daughter. Do not have sexual relations with your daughter. Do not have sexual relations with your daughter's daughter. Do not have sexual relations with a woman and her daughter. Do not have sexual relations with a woman and her son's daughter. With a woman and her daughter's daughter. With your father's sister. With your mother's sister. With your father's brother's wife. With your son's wife. With your brother's wife. With your wife's sister. A man must not have sexual relations with an animal. A woman must not have sexual relations with an animal. Do not have homosexual relationships. Do not have sexual relations with someone else's wife. Do not have sexual relations with a menstrually impure woman. Do not marry non-Jews. The high priest must not marry a widow. The high priest must not have sexual relations with a widow even outside of marriage. The high priest must marry a virgin maiden. A priest must not marry a divorcee. A priest must not marry a woman who has had a forbidden sexual relationship. A priest must not marry a desecrated woman. I'm tempted to say a priest must not marry at all. <laughs> Do not eat creatures that live in water other than kosher fish. Do not eat of an animal that dies of natural causes. Do not eat meat of an animal that was mortally wounded. Do not eat meat torn off a living creature. Do not eat blood. Do not eat certain fats of clean animals. Do not eat milk and milk and meat cooked together. Do not cook meat and milk together. Do not eat fruit of a tree during its first three years. Do not swear falsely in God's name. Do not take God's name in vain. Do not deny possession of something entrusted to you. Do not swear in denial of a monetary claim. Swear in God's name to confirm the truth when deemed necessary. Fulfill what you uttered and do what you vowed. Do not break oaths or vows. Do not cross-breed animals. Do not walk different animals together. Do not wear clothes woven of wool and linen. Leave a corner of the field uncut for the poor. Do not reap the corner of a field left for the poor. Leave gleaning from a field for the poor. Give charity to those in need. Do not withhold charity from the poor. Set aside a gift of food for the priest. Set aside a tithe each planting year and give it to a Levite. Set aside the first fruits and bring them to the temple. Rest the land during the seventh year by not doing any work which enhances growth. 
Release all loans during the seventh year. Do not pressure or claim from the borrower during the seventh year. Do not refrain from lending immediately before the release of the loans for fear of monetary loss. Do not climb steps to the altar. <laughs> Show reverence to the temple. Guard the temple area. Do not leave the temple unguarded. The Levites must transport the ark on their shoulders. The Levites must walk in the temple. Are you guys following me? Okay. No Levite must do another, another's work or either another priest or another Levite. The priest must wear their priestly garments during service. The priest must wear their priestly garments during service. Do not tear the priestly garments. The priest must not enter. It just gives, tells you what the heart of God is. Like what I was talking about last week, right? You can't just wear anything. You can't just come on the altar and just wear anything. It's not, it doesn't mean that the law now means that you have to wear this priestly garment. It's just trying to give you the, the thought behind it. That God wants you to look decent, decently and in order. That's all. All right? A priest must not enter the temple intoxicated. A priest must not enter the temple with long hair. A priest must not enter the temple with torn clothes. Like, uh-huh. A priest, must, <laughs> a priest must not enter the temple indiscriminately. A priest must not leave the temple during service. A priest with a physical blemish must not serve. A priest with a temporary blemish must not serve. One who is not a priest must not serve. Offer only unblemished animals. Do not dedicate a blemished animal for the altar. Do not slaughter a blemished animal. Keep the fire burning on the altar. And I thought about this um, in one edify that we did. Do not extinguish the fire on the altar. Burn incense every day. Bring additional offerings on the first day of the month. Bring additional offerings on Passover. Bring additional offerings on the Feast of Weeks. Bring additional offerings on the Feast of Trumpets. Bring additional offerings on the Day of Atonement. Bring additional offerings on the Feast of Tabernacles. Bring additional offerings on the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Pretty much bring offerings every day. Set aside the firstborn animals. Separate the tithe of animals. Each person must bring a sin offering for his transgression. Bring a guilt offering when uncertain of guilt. Bring a guilt offering when guilt is determined. Bring a guilt offering in accordance with one's financial ability. A woman who gave birth must bring an offering after she immerses in water. The unclean person must publicize his condition by tearing his garments, allowing his hair to grow and covering his lips. Do not commit injustice with scales and weights. Do not possess inaccurate scales and weights, even if they are not for use. Do not move a boundary marker to steal someone's property. Do not kidnap. Do not withhold wages or fail to repay a debt. Do not covet and scheme to acquire another's possession. Do not desire another's possession. Return a stolen object or its value. Do not ignore a lost object. Return the lost object. Do not murder. Do not accept monetary restitution to atone for a murderer. The court must send the accidental murderer to a city of refuge. Do not accept monetary restitution instead of being sent to a city of refuge. Do not kill a murderer before he stands trial. Do not stand idly by if someone's life is in danger. Do not walk nor plant the river valley where an unresolved murder occurred. Do not overcharge or underpay for an article. Do not insult or harm anybody with words. Pay wages on the day they are earned. Do not delay payment of wages past the agreed time. The worker must not eat while on higher time. The worker must not eat while on higher time. Do not lend with interest. Do not borrow with interest. Do not intermediate in an interest loan. Guarantee, witness, or write the promissory note. Do not curse judges. Do not curse the head of state or leader. Do not curse any upcoming... All of you that don't like Trump, that's for you. Do not curse any upstanding Jew. Anybody who knows evidence must testify in court. Do not accept testimony from a lone witness. Do not testify falsely. Punish the false witnesses as they try to punish the defendant. Do not curse your father and mother. Do not strike your father and mother. Respect your father or mother. Fear your father or mother. Do not be rebellious. Do not be a rebellious son. 
mourn for relatives, destroy the seven Canaanite nations. Do not let any of the seven Canaanite nations remain alive. Wipe out the descendants of Amalek. He who has taken a wife, built a new home, planted a vineyard, is given a year to rejoice with his possessions. Do not demand any communal or military involvement for one year. Do not panic and retreat. I thought somebody would say amen to that one. Do not panic and retreat during battle. Do not sell a captive woman into slavery. Thank God we are redeemed from the curse of the law. All right, so I just read to you 212 out of 613. <laughs> and I've almost, I, I just remember the days of me doing book readings and in bookstores. This is how the feeling that came back to me now. Where you just keep reading endlessly and it's like it's not going to stop. Okay, so here you see that there's so many of these different things. There's so many of them. If we were to, to, to try to keep this as the way that God will measure whether or not we qualify, uh, there's nobody that will qualify. Nobody, not even from the ones that I just read to you now, alone. You, you, can't, you can't do it. Humanly speaking, you simply cannot do it. You can't do it. That is why God had to, had to send himself, <laughs> like what Watchman Lee said, that he is the lawgiver and he is the lawkeeper. He literally had to send himself to fulfill the conditions that he set. So that's where, that's where you, have to, you have to bow for the genius of God and just stand behind the one that he has put in front of us as his representative. So how do you know? What part of the law that can still be a guide for you? So I've already answered the question. You're not going to hell if you don't keep the law, okay? Are, there's nothing like that. It's not like you have to go through the law and you find oh, which one did I do, which one did I do. No, 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 there's nothing like that. But the, the law is, our, is an example for us. And when we talk about the characteristics of the law, you will see some things that might sound like a contradiction. That's why I'm taking the time to explain all of these things to you, okay? We might not have the time to get to it today, but if we do, we'll start it. But just to look at the characteristics of the law, what the law, the Bible says the law is, like the law is, is, your, is no longer your tutor. The law is obsolete, or the law is holy. The Bible also says the law is holy. So we'll look at all those different things. But let's start with this. Um, how do you know what part of the law can still be relevant to you? Number one, you need to ask yourself, is it consistent with the law of love? So if you see anything in the law that you are worried about, to say, okay, this, am I still required? Am I still expected to follow this? You need to look, your, your New Testament guide is the law of love. So that's what you need to look at to say, okay, is this thing, there are so many things in the law that are still consistent with the law of love. Don't steal your brother's goods. Don't take your brother's wife. All of that is consistent with love. Because if you love somebody, you will not do any of those things. You know, so that's, that's the first thing. Number two, you need to ask yourself, is it consistent with the love of God? In other words, the will of God now. Will it please God? Is it consistent with the will of God for, for me, for other people? Um, like we see in Matthew 22, verse 38 to 40. You can give me that. Matthew 22, 38 to 40 says, This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So you need to check, check it with this and say, okay, is it consistent is this, is this thing something that shows that I love my neighbor or, or that I love the Lord my God? Number three, you need to ask yourself, did Jesus bring it up? Did Jesus ever bring it up? Is it consistent with the teachings of Jesus? Is there any time in the Bible that Jesus mentioned this thing or that he brought it up again? Because so many of those things, either by Jesus or the apostles, were, were repeated several times. Luke chapter 11, verse 42. It says, what sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. And we talked about this. 
So he said, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So this is where when people say things like, oh, tithing is under the law. No, no, you are wrong. And, and I, I've told you, I'm still going to do another teaching like this that is on, on tithing. Uh, it's very long. I, I need to find a block of time to do it. So I will show you that tithing actually started before the law, way before the law, even from the Garden of Eden. So these are things that, you know, if you don't read your Bible or study it very well, you will not understand. So it has nothing to do with the law. If Jesus brought it up, if Jesus repeated it, Jesus reiterated it, that is something that is still consistent in the New Testament. All right? Matthew 5, verse 27 to 28. This is out of the scripture we read at the beginning. It says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is where people don't understand that when you say you are, you are not under the law, but you are under grace, you are literally saying that now Jesus has raised the bar for you. Because which is easier to do? Which one is easier to do? To, to think in your mind or to actually go after somebody else's wife? It takes a lot of effort to actually go after somebody else's wife. There are so many factors that are involved. Number one, it takes two to tango. So if, even if you have an evil desire in your heart, the other person too must have the same evil desire. <laughs> and there are so many other things. But for you to think in your own heart, it tells you that what Jesus is after in the New Testament is the state of our hearts. Is that he wants your heart to be perfect towards God and other people. As simple as that. If you are, if you are able to get to that point, and you will see that even as you are, you are trying your best to get to that point in your Christian work, you will fall short. From time to time, you will fall short. That is what the death of Jesus is for. So that you are not living in fear of condemnation or in fear of judgment. And say, ah, if I, if I make a mistake, you know, and I die in the middle of the mistake, hellfire straight. As if God is waiting with a camera, just waiting to snap, <laughs> you know, like the speed ticket in British Columbia. You know, the, you, know you guys in Nova I don't understand it. But in British Columbia, if you, if you beat a traffic light, when I first started driving our van, and I didn't know what's up. You know, I just came from Nigeria. I didn't understand what, what the system was, you know. And I didn't even know that there was, there was the, the traffic light. You know, there's so many ways that the traffic is very funny, like that you have to come out in the middle. If it shows green, but it's not showing arrow, come out in the middle and wait until the traffic clears up. You know, I was new, so I didn't understand any of those things. I just drove my car. I went. I got home in the mail. There was a letter waiting for me with pictures of my car and the plates and the, the street sign and everything in, in sequence. You can't even argue with it. <laughs> When you look at it, you can't argue. Some of you think God is like that. No, God is not like that. <laughs> See, when God, when God plays back the record of all that you have done on earth, huh? it's Pastor Robert Morris that really explained this very clearly. Um, he, he put it this way. He said something like this. He said, what determines where you spend eternity is, did you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's what determines where you will spend eternity. What determines how you will spend eternity is what did you do for God? So that's why he said there will be there will be, you know, captains of, of 50, of 100. You know, there will be all of those things. There will be crown of life. There will be rewards. When God is playing back your life, it's for your reward. It's for you to, for them to see what will be the reward. I know this is hard to take. I know. But I'm challenging you. Go and read your Bible. Go home. Settle down with your Bible. Forget everything that you think you know. And open your Bible and read it. Read the actual scriptures. And I'll show you some today. I'll show you some next week. We have five weeks to do this thing, okay? So I'll show you a lot of it. So that you're not living in, in look, why, think, of, think about this. How will God, God, huh, who went through this process of redeeming man back to himself, how will, he said he doesn't want the death of any sinner. How will he now redeem you, you that you have, you have, you have come back 
from the dead. You have come back into the, 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 the family of God. He now says, because the camera caught you, <laughs> you know, in a snapshot, then he's going to send you to hellfire. And, and this is what many Christians believe, that, is, that this is what God is waiting for. That is just the, the lucky few, the few, very lucky few. No, 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 he's asking for the people whose hearts are right with him. That's what God is looking for. People whose hearts are focused on him. So you are, you are, he says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So we're not saying that you, are, you gave your life to Jesus and, and you just do anything you like. And yeah, that's why, you, you see, when I, I say it all the time, when you see a Christian who, you know, they say they gave their life to Jesus and they just start living their life anyhow, you know that something has not changed in the heart. It's the heart. Something hasn't changed. When you see the person who something has changed in their heart, which is what God is talking about here, is that you will do something wrong immediately. Immediately you do something wrong. There is something inside your heart that tells you that, ah, this is not okay. And what do you do right away? You repent of it. That's what you do. That's how to be a Christian. So it's not that you, you are doing stuff and nothing. When you start doing things and nothing is shaking in your mind, oh God, you are far away. That's why people that, that say, when, once you are saved, you are always saved. Oh boy, they are, you are going to hellfire. I'm telling you, hell, straight. <laughs> because the minute you start doing stuff and nothing is moving anymore, something is wrong. Something has gone wrong. Because that is the regulatory system now. Is that heart that God wants to see, that your heart is still stayed on him. Uh -huh. So he's not, he's not going to say, oh, because, you know, you're, 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 I mean, just look at it. Look at all the list of things. Let's keep going here, okay? Let me, let me use the scripture to make my case, all right? Because some of you are already frowning at me. So, number four, is it consistent with seeking first the kingdom? That's what you need to ask yourself. Is this thing consistent with seeking first the kingdom? Matthew 6, verse 33. Is it consistent with seeking first the kingdom? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So, this is still the words of Jesus. This thing that I'm, that I'm, that I'm trying to do, and I'm checking whether or not I should still be doing, would it help the kingdom of God move forward? Would it advance the gospel? Number five, does this promote decency and order? Does it promote decency? Does it promote order? We already read 1 Corinthians 14, 14. It says, let all things be done decently and in order. Let all things be done decently and in order. Number six, is it repeated in the New Testament, especially the epistles? Okay. Is this thing, is it repeated in the New Testament? Can I find it in the epistles? And here is where I want to, I want to hammer on this issue, issue of homosexuality, okay? Because it is, it is repeated clearly in the New Testament. So this is where people always pick out those things and say, ah, but, you know, the Old Testament is homosexuality. is where it also says you should not shave your beard. So why do you pick on homosexuality and you don't pick on other things? You Christians, you always, that's why we're explaining this to you, okay? That you look at the New Testament, you look at the Old, you look at everything and see where does it still appear. So this one is not an issue that does not appear anywhere else. It's clearly in the New Testament it is, it is stated. And this is a good time to explain this because, I mean, the election that they just finished in America now, this is part of the fight that they are fighting. So it's good that the Republicans are beating the Democrats. But we won't talk about that. We'll, we'll leave that alone. First Corinthians 6, they won't say we are, we are bragging. So we'll just leave that. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, okay? First Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, it says, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. So they're fighting now that, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, anybody should come and say, or oh, some people don't have sense or that it's something of the mind or whatever it is. But 
if a country says they're fighting a World Cup, don't give them World Cup. What's your own? Like, if you don't want to give them, why did you give them? They said, in our country, we don't agree with homosexuality. We don't agree. It's as simple as that. Why? You, you want to play football in a fine stadium, but you want them to... <laughs> you guys understand what I'm saying at all? Or you want me to spell it out? You know that there's, the football is going to Qatar now. You know, don't you know? You are just there smiling like this. You know now. <laughs> but the, the Qatar ambassador now came and said something uh, about homosexuality. And all of them are they're angry. They're like, ah, what you're saying is not good. They should cancel the World Cup. Go and sit down. Go and sit down in one corner. Just sit down. <laughs> they said this is their own. You get what I'm saying? Like, this is our country. We don't agree. It's not simple as that. Like, it's like they want to force the whole world, choke everybody. You know, I always joke about it. But I say, nobody can cancel me because right now I'm already canceled. You know, as I have like this, I'm already canceled. So you come and say you want to cancel me, you're wasting your time. You know, so it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, people need to be, you need to let people, just leave people alone. Let the, look, what we, what we were taught in journalism school huh, is there's something called a free marketplace of ideas, right? Let all the ideas compete in the free marketplace. Let's see if it is true. Let's say what Paul was saying. Yeah, hey, we'll see now. We'll see <laughs> how far this thing will go. You know, like you force everybody to agree with what you know that is not, you know? So they, 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 they've been playing it all day. They've been playing it. Oh, he said this. He said he's of the man. And somebody came during the interview and said, he's Aram, Aram. You know? And it's just drama, like drama. They started protesting. Oh, cancel the World Cup. They will still go and play it all. They will go. Uh-huh. They will go. The problem is that they want to drink alcohol in the place. They want to do all those things. And those people said, no. No, we can't allow you. Uh, you are not married to somebody. You are holding hand. You are kissing inside. Don't we'll arrest you. <laughs> he said, that's our country. <laughs> they don't go there. I mean, right? Be, then be playing it in England every year. Or be playing it in France. How did I even get into that? Anyway, let's keep going. Romans chapter 1. Okay, just on the lighter notes there. But, you know, people make all this... All this Drama that is not supposed to be drama. Leave, leave everybody. They don't agree with you. It's okay. Let's see how far your, your theory will go now. Let's see it. Romans chapter 1. So I'm just showing you where the Bible also talks about it. And this is why we openly disagree. And when I say disagree, I'm not saying that, you know, you go and fight people or say, you, know, you are wrong, you are wrong. No, no, no. It's just know what you believe in. It's as simple as that. Romans chapter 1 from verse 26. It says, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, bonds in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is... Okay, it's the Bible that said it all. And receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. So this is why some people are saying, you know, cancel the Bible. Because the Bible is hate speech. No, they're they're saying that. (laughs) This this thing has stood before your great-grandfather was here. So as you are trying to cancel it, your life will be canceled. It's as simple as that. You know, you will just, it's like you are eating against the wall. Uh-huh. You will be crushed like, like you will be grounded to powder. That's what the Bible says. So the people that tried before you, there are generations before you that tried it. Uh-huh. They, were, they were ground. We don't know their story now. We can't even find them on the radar. So that's what you are, you are up against. 32. This one, I like this verse because this verse is very important here. This verse 32. Okay? It says, who knowing the righteous judgment of God. This is the end of that chapter. You can go home and read this out. It says, those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. This is where it gets very dangerous. That is not just talking about that, you know, I feel like bringing up, uh, uh, let God be true, but I'll leave it alone because it'll just be like they're bragging. So we'll leave that one alone for now. But this is the thing. When, when you do something and people now start asking you, you know, people were, were saying funny things, Christians were saying funny things like, why did you, why you to you to go and use their rainbow as your sign? Ah, Ah, those things give me a headache. 
You know, it just makes you know that Christians are ignorant. When you as a Christian can say that the rainbow, rainbow is their sign, you are, you are foolish. You are completely ignorant. That means you don't even know. <laughs> I want to ask you, who is your pastor? <laughs> because if you can tell me, you can look at me in the face and tell me that the rainbow is their sign, then you don't know anything. Uh-huh. That means we need to start from the ABC of the Bible. Uh-huh. Because the rainbow is a sign that God in heaven gave to man to say, I'm never going to destroy the world again. So that a, a group hijack the symbol and say it is going to be our symbol does not mean that it belongs to anybody. Uh-huh. It, it has no, no meaning whatsoever. And, and those things just, you know, gets to me. And Christians now start saying things like, you know, you two should have left them alone. Like, you are a fool. No, you are a fool. Because this is the scripture that talks about you. That you are not just, you are, you are, you are not practicing it, but you are approving of it. You are approving of it. So now when they talk about it, you don't feel any, any sense of, you know, any, you know, you know that people that, this thing that I'm saying right now, as I'm talking now, they are watching online, or they are afraid for me. They say, ah, this thing you are saying, hey, they will cancel you. You don't know anything. You see, me, I've been canceled. That's what I'm telling you, that I'm not in this for, for what I will gain, or for monetary. This is why the, this is why this thing is very crucial, though, that, who was it that said this thing? Rick Warren was the one who said this, that God needs all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. He needs all kinds of people in ministry, because there are some people who are in ministry today who cannot say what I'm saying right now. Because they know that their, their, their livelihood, their, literally their survival is based on whatever they say on the pulpit. So they, they are afraid that people will leave the church, there will be no more income, everything will, will collapse. As I stand here before you, I have no fear of such. <laughs> it does not exist. Look, I, I, even my job, I've told them, even my job, as I am like this, eh? if anybody says, cancel him because he's a pastor, it doesn't do, even that action alone is called discrimination. That you can pick out somebody who does not agree with the popular opinion and you say you want to penalize him because he doesn't agree. You are doing the exact same thing that you are, you are trying to fight against. Because it's supposed to be a free marketplace of ideas. And it's, it's time that Christians become bold. Like you are literally be as bold as a lion that the Bible says you are. Don't just sit down in one corner and just be watching everything. You watch everything, but you know, you know that something is wrong with this. But you don't say anything. You don't say anything. Even when the opportunity to say something comes up, just be thinking that. I don't want to say anything. What they say that I'm, you know, that's why my pastor in Vancouver till tomorrow I respect him. Like, look, he can do anything. I, I can never be angry with him again in my life. Oh, look, I, I love the man because he stood like this. <laughs> when, when they were saying, ah, why do you want to do this event? Don't do it again. Cancel it. He stood like this. That whatever happens. And this is somebody that earns a salary from, from the church. So he could have been afraid to say, you know, ah, if, if they come and cancel us now. Because they came with, with protest. Uh, did you see when we came here? Everyone advanced on it. You guys were not here then. No, we did advance on it. Oh, my God. Uh, you should have seen. We have photo. As we came to the venue like this, they put banner everywhere. Omo this, omo that. Everywhere, cancel them, cancel them. And they came with megaphone. And they singing and shouting, making noise. <laughs> I was just laughing at God. Has he come to this? With news article, they just made the, pop, the program popular. The registration was sold out. Like, they just made it blow up beyond what we just wanted to do one, one in-house thing. Like, they just made it, you know, blow up. And they're just, just making noise. I'm making noise. And when people start trying to use violence to, to communicate their intention and their, thought and their own ideas, you know that something is wrong with it. If that idea is strong enough by itself to survive, it should survive. And don't let anybody box you into this corner to say, oh, race and homosexuality are the same thing. They are not the same thing, sir. They are not, please. You need to get that clear. Uh-huh. That they are not in the same category. So they put everything inside diversity. And then when you talk, you say, you are you not black. We are trying to help you and you are still angry. <laughs> and you are still angry about it, all right? 
So that's very, very important, all right? That is so crucial. In conclusion, let's look at James 4.17, and let's see whether we can touch on a few of the, um, a few of the characteristics here, and wherever we stop, we'll continue next, next Wednesday, okay? I didn't intend to go into too much of that, but it, it needs to be said. Those things need to be said, okay? So and we cannot be afraid to say them. James 4, verse 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, he says, to him it is sin. To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So this is how we begin to, to guide you know, all of these things and to judge them and to see, all right? So let's, let's try and start out with the characteristics of the law, okay? Wherever we stop um, at 8.30, we'll just stop it there, all right? Let's see if we can, we can start out with that. Number one, characteristics of the law. Number one, the law is holy, righteous, and good. That's the first thing that we need to know about the law. The law is holy, it's righteous, and good. Romans 7 verse 12 tells us that. Romans 7 verse 12. It says, therefore, the law is holy, and the commandments holy, and just and good. So when we start to talk about other characteristics of the law that may sound like, oh, maybe the law is this bad thing. No, no, no. It is, the Bible says it is holy. Uh-huh. It is holy, it is just, and it is good. Because the law is not the enemy. God's laws are literally a reflection of his character, of his intention. That's why the law is holy. Uh-huh. The reflection, that's why the standard is so high, because we can't meet that standard. It's literally God's standard. That is that is God. And only God can be God. That's the reason why we cannot meet that requirement. All right? That's why the law is holy, because God is holy, but we couldn't fulfill it, even if we tried. So you need to understand that. That is the first thing. Number two, the law was weak. The law was weak. The reason why the law was weak was because of man's weakness and imperfection to fulfill it. That's why the, the law is referred to as being weak. Hebrews chapter number 7, verse 18. You can just write the references and look up on the screen. Let's try and cover as much as we can. Okay, this is um, pretty much faith seminar that you are in. Weak because of man's weakness, imperfection to fulfill it. Hebrews 7, verse 18. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandments because of its weakness and unprofitability, unprofitableness. The only way that the law would have profited us is if we're able to do it. But if you, if you break one, you have literally broken every single one. So how then do you get the blessing? How then do you get the blessing? Hebrews chapter 9. Let's read a few more scriptures here. Two more scriptures for that one. Hebrews chapter 9 from verse 9 to 10. Hebrews 9, 9 to 10. It says, it was symbolic for the time present in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. Hebrews 10 verse 8. Hebrews 10 8. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offering and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. So this is telling us what the intention of God is, that God really did not desire sacrifices and bonds of things. That was not his desire. His desire all along has been to have a relationship with man. All of this was just leading up towards Jesus. Number three, law was, law made nothing perfect. The law made nothing perfect. Hebrews 7 verse 19. Hebrews 7 19. Law made nothing perfect. 
For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. That is what God's intention is, is that we draw near to him. So it says the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there's the bringing in of a better hope, which was through Jesus. And this is how we draw near to God. So the law made nothing perfect. Number four, the law was inferior. The law was inferior. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Hebrews 8, verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Are you still here? Better covenant, which was established on better promises. And, and next Wednesday, we'll talk about the old and the new covenant and compare the two covenants. And you'll see why this is a better covenant made on better promises. Number five, the law has been made obsolete. I think we should try to just finish this tonight, okay? So that next week, we just get into the covenant straight away, all right? The law has been made obsolete. When we say obsolete, we are saying that it's no longer administrative for the believer. That is not the way that you are going to be judged. The law is no longer, you know, that administrative quality of the law is no longer there, okay? Hebrews 8 verse 13. It says, in that he says, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Is ready to vanish away. That's Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 13. In that he says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 9. Hebrews 10, 9. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. It takes away the first that he may establish the second. I'm just giving you all the scriptural references to this, okay? So, we can still learn from the law. I'm, I'm reiterating this again. But we are not to live by the law. We can still learn from it, but we are not to live by the law. The law is not what we, 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 we try to, it's not the standard for which we are trying to live our lives in the New Testament. Number six, law is only a shadow. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. The law, the Bible refers to it as being a shadow. Hebrews 10 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. So he's saying the law was just a shadow of the good things to come. It's not the very image. It, was not, it didn't have the capacity to make the people perfect. They just need to every year offer sacrifices continually. That's number six. Number seven, I'm running through this now because, I mean, there's like 13 of them, so I'm just running through it. When you get home, go and study them, all right? Take your time, read the scriptures, go over all these things. Don't take everything that I've told you on, on face value, all right? We've, we've talked about this before. The Berean Christians, their agenda was, they're not trying to discredit the apostles. They are only trying to make sure that whatever was taught, they are confirming it in the scriptures. They are checking it out, and it is, it is now becoming their own. So it's not just what I'm sharing with you tonight is my own revelation. So you, it needs to become yours. If you don't see it in the scriptures, I've seen more scriptures than what I'm showing you. I've seen a lot of scriptures that, that make it clear what I'm teaching you tonight. So if it's not yet clear to you, if you still have doubts in your heart, you still have something is still not sitting right, go and look at it by yourself. Take your Bible. Read every single scripture. Go after it. Don't just say, oh, this is what I've always known. 
or this is what I've always I've been taught. This is what everybody you know shares things based on their their revelation per time of what they have seen in the scriptures. And you only see what you are looking for in the Bible. If you are not looking for it, you won't find it. Uh-huh. If you just take what you have always known and you say, this is it, there's nothing more. It's the, it's the, it's the only thing that, that's what you, will, you always know. Okay, but there's so much in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, in the epistles, that I want you guys to go and study it by yourself, all right? And if you have questions, feel free to shoot them out. We will, we will spend some time taking care of those questions, all right? Number seven. The law was an unbearable yoke. The law was an unbearable yoke. Acts chapter 15 and verse 10. Acts 15, 10. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? So you see what he's saying? That even our fathers were not able to bear this yoke. That why are you now trying to put it on us under the new covenant? Number eight, the law cannot make righteous. The law literally doesn't have the ability to make somebody righteous. Romans chapter 10 verse 4. Romans 10 verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. It says Christ is the end. What is the end? The end is the end. (laughs) So if he says something is the end, it's literally the end. He says Christ is the end of the law. He says for righteousness to everyone who believes. And what is the new order now is that you believe in Jesus, that is where the law ends. And we'll, we'll close with that when we finish this. Number nine, law brings a curse and God's wrath. The law brings a curse and it brings the wrath of God. Galatians 3 verse 10, we read this, uh, we read this last week. For as many as are, as are of the works of the law, we read this on Sunday. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So if you cannot fulfill all the things that are written in the book of the law, you are under the curse. If you continue to try to to live under the law, is it that you are able to do everything or you are not able to do it at all? It's very important to remember that. Hebrews 10 verse 8. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 8. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor add pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Again, I'm just showing you scripture. Romans chapter 4, verse 15. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Are you tired? It looks like some of you guys are tired. Are you guys tired? Okay. You, should we finish this? I think we should deal with this. Let's finish it. We take a few more minutes. Let's just finish it. Next week, let's get into something else. All right? There's a lot to cover in this thing. Uh, I, I, I left out a lot of things here because, I mean, on a Sunday, I cannot try this. I'm giving you 21 points. <laughs> I can't try it on Sunday. So I just decided that today I will just pass everything along to you. Go home and study it yourself. So number 10, the law severs from Christ. So it separates people from Christ. That's what the law does. Galatians chapter 5 verse 4. Galatians 5 4. It says, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you are falling from grace. This is what it means to fall from grace. Is that you are attempting to be justified by the law. Anybody who attempts to be justified by the law literally removes himself from grace. And this is very important to know. Number 11, the law was our tutor. We're talking about characteristics of the law. We're almost there. Law was our tutor. Galatians 3, verse 24. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. This is what the law was literally sent to do. 
is to guide us, to be a tutor, teacher, to bring us to Christ, to let us see why we need Christ, so that we might be justified by faith. That was the end goal. The purpose of the law was to, to point us to and bring us to Jesus Christ. That was the whole purpose of the law. Please write that down. The purpose of the law was to point us to and to bring us to Jesus Christ. So if anybody asks you, what is, what is the purpose of the law? Why did God give the law? Why all these things? The whole essence of it was to point us, continually point us to Jesus. Show how weak you are as a human being, your inadequacy, and point you to Jesus and then bring you to Jesus. Finally, number 12, the law is the power of sin. The law is the power of sin. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. It says, the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is what? Is the law. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. The strength, in other words, the power of sin that gives sin power. What gives sin power is the law. Yeah, that's what gives sin power. So when you, when you start to focus and focusing on and trying to keep the law only empowers sin in your life. It just magnifies sin. It, it, it brings something called sin consciousness. And again, look, I have to always clarify when we say make those statements. We're not saying that you are not, you are not you know, trying to live a godly lifestyle. Or you are not, we, we've said that, we, and we make that clear. Because, you know, this generation, we live in a cut and paste generation. But you just take one thing that you say, like, you just cut it like this. <laughs> you just put it everywhere. So I need to be chipping it in everywhere. So it's not cuttable. <laughs> it's not cuttable at all. We're saying that the law was replaced by love. That's what Jesus said. All right? And he set even a higher standard for us now that beyond just actually going and stealing your neighbor's goods, that the thought must not even be permitted in your heart. That if the thought tries to lodge in your heart, you, you are supposed to repel that thought from your heart so that it doesn't even get to the point where you are even trying to go ahead and do it. This is important. Now, even if you keep the whole law, which you can't do, you achieve something called self-righteousness, which in itself is a problem. <laughs> That by itself. <laughs> so let's just say that as a human being, you are able to get to that point. When you get to that point, eh, it's just like climbing Kilimanjaro. When you get there, you look at everybody and say, all of you are rats. Me, I'm the one <laughs> that was able to do this. That by itself is a sin. This is why as you try to do, you know, do the law, you will just find out as you're trying to do this one, you are, you are missing it here. You are doing that. So this is why you cannot win when it comes to the law. You can't win. Galatians 3 verse 19. The law has finished his work, literally finished his work. Jesus was the end of the law. Galatians 3, 19. What purpose then does the law serve? This was the question. It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. This is very important. So he's telling you now what the purpose of the law was. It was added because of transgressions until the seed should come to which the promise was made. Galatians 3, Verse 24 to 25, let's go down and see that, 24 to 25. It says, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Enter Jesus Christ. It's like what they say in, in place. Uh -huh. This is the part now where Jesus now steps into the picture. All right? So Christ is the end. Say that with me. Christ is the end of the law. Is the end of the law. I, I, I hope to God that after today, you are not in this, you know, this law mind and, you know, because, I mean, there's 
Man, Christians are living in bondage, Joe. Let me just tell you, like, it's bondage. And we think that we are, we are, we are you know, and it's this self-righteousness where you come to the place where you feel like, you know, you're better than everybody because of the things that you do and the things that you don't do. You're better than everybody. Just like, you know, I don't know who it was, who it was but I think it was Tim Ross that he says this all the time, that, you know, for somebody like people like me now, for example, who I've, I've never, I never drank, I never smoked, I don't know what alcohol tastes like. I don't know, I've never, you know, been, the only time in my life that I was in a nightclub huh, was to go and shoot adverts for MTN in Nigeria, <laughs> okay? Was, uh, MTN is like your, your, your fight, no, not fight, MTN is like, yeah, yeah, let's say MTN is like Bell, like the bigger boys, okay? So they, they were doing a commercial, and they wanted to, they were auditioning for, you know, a role that when we were in school, and that, that's the only time in my life that I've ever been to a nightclub, where you know where they do nightclub, disco light, everybody's dancing and shaking their bed. That's the only thing. I've never done any of those things. Like, I have no, I have no history of that to say, right? I mean, I told you when my wife and I were cutting, when I wanted to hug her, she pushed me away. Said there will be problem. Hug, or hug. Not even anything. Uh-huh. So you can imagine that life. So when, when you, you, you get through that, you get married and you now start living, you feel this sense of, you know, like you get, like, ah, I was able to do what everybody could do. No, 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 there's nothing like that. Because there are some people that God saves people from something, and it saves other people through something. Aha. So people like me, I can say God saved me from doing some things. But there are other people that, in fact, their own testimony is even sweeter. That they've been through things and God literally saved them through it. And God is still using them to do great and mighty things. So you can never get to the place of self-righteousness. He said, so that there will be nobody that can boast. That is not by works, so that you can't say you can. And even me, as I'm saying now that, oh, I didn't do this, like, I didn't do that. If I open my mouth and tell you some of the things that I managed to do, ah, you know, if I, when I start preaching next week, you'll be looking at me like, hey, man of God, we'll cancel you <laughs> because of that. Because God forgives people, but it's hard for human beings to forgive. Ah, human beings, it's hard. Human beings will always look at you with, with that eye, like Georgina eye, Georgina eye, like, ah, this pastor, this is what you did, <laughs> you know? So we cannot be claiming self-righteousness and claiming that we are better than anybody. Romans, did we read that? Romans 10 verse 4, Christ is the end of the law. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Say amen to that. It says everyone, everyone. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Christ came to fulfill the law on our behalf. He didn't come to come and cancel the law. He came to fulfill it. So the law has been fulfilled. As of today, as me and you are here, that talking, that talking, the law has been fulfilled. It was fulfilled in Jesus. All you have to do is step into Jesus and you have fulfilled the law. That is what entitles you to the blessings. That's what saying amen for. Yeah, Matthew 5 verse 17. Matthew 5 17. It says, do not think that I came to destroy the law. This is Jesus speaking. Or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I came to fulfill. This is the, the quote by, um, we'll start to wrap, wrap it up now. I have one more scripture to read to you and we'll be out of here. This is the quote by Watchman Lee that I wanted to, that I was referencing in the beginning. It says, God's requirements have not altered, but we are not the ones to meet them. Praise God, he is the law giver on the throne and he is the law keeper in my heart. He who gave the law himself keeps it. This is from the normal Christian life. It was talking about this, you know, this whole idea of righteousness by faith and all of that. It says God is the law giver. He's the law giver on the throne. And he himself is the law keeper inside your heart. It was the same one who gave the law, but it was the same one who came down in the form of Jesus Christ 
to pay the price to redeem us back to himself. So the question I want to ask you as you go home tonight is, you can either choose Christ or the law. You can't do both. Yeah, if you have to make up your mind. Do I want to be on the side of grace or I want to be on the side of the law? Don't forget what we're talking about this whole thing is grace and faith. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> and I've already said that grace and faith are on the same side. They are a team. So when you're talking about grace, you're saying that I'm justified by grace through faith in Jesus, through faith in what Jesus did for me. That is on one side. On the other side of it is the law. You Look, as a New Testament believer, you still have the right to choose whether you want to be under the law or to be under grace. You have the right to choose that, okay? So you can decide. Let's have that scripture, Galatians 5.2. Galatians 5.2, so that you can see it. It says, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. So circumcision there represents one of the requirements of the law. So he's saying that if you, you choose that you want to follow the requirements of the law, he's saying that Christ, on the other hand, will not profit you anything. So it's literally a choice now to say, I want to still keep the law. And God will allow you to do that. Say, okay, you want to keep the law, that's fine. There's, these are all the laws. Just make sure that you keep every single one. That's the only requirement. Because if you miss one, I told you, if you, if you get 611 over 613, you have still failed. As far as the law is concerned, if you miss one out of it, you have failed everything. So you want to stay with the law, you have to fulfill everything. On the other side, we are saying that Jesus already fulfilled the, the whole law. You saw that scripture. He said it himself. He fulfilled it. All you have to do now is accept that he fulfilled it. Believe in him and align yourself with that. How easy is it? It doesn't get easier than that. So the law was meant to lead us to Jesus Christ. It was supposed to show us our need for salvation. And this is very important. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. We'll continue, we'll continue next, next week. We'll talk about the, the covenants. Let's just talk to God. Give God a moment here just to make this message tonight, make it personal to you. Give him a moment to make it personal to you. I know some of the things that you heard tonight, as simple as it sounds, will challenge a lot of the things that some of the theology that you have known might be, you know, you'll still be wrestling with it. Let the Holy Spirit do the interpretation of the word to you tonight, not me. Let him interpret it to you and tell you exactly what to do with this. It's one spirit. So it's not, it's not like it will, it will give me one special revelation that he will not give you. So let him communicate that to you tonight. And as you go from this place, as you go back home, Commit to studying your Bible on this subject. Commit to studying your Bible. Go through your Bible, your actual Bible. I'm not saying go and listen to all your favorite pictures. I'm saying go and open your Bible. Go to your Bible. Look at the book of Galatians. Look at the book of Romans. Look at Hebrews. Read everything. Highlight things. Point out things. Look at it in translations. Understand what it means. And let the Holy Spirit communicate to you so that you are, you are, you are free. Free from every bondage. Free from every yoke. Free indeed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And by the power of your spirit, we ask that you establish every single one in these streets and communicate it deeply to our families. Thank you for listening to Insights for Believers today. For more information or to send us questions, testimony, and feedback, please visit us at www.insightsforbelievers.org. Be blessed today, and we'll see you again soon.